Good afternoon. Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project. You are here with Chapo. And Bethany. And this is the space where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. And today... Today we are talking about how marriage is not a fairy tale. It is not a fairy tale. Now, I want to just put a disclaimer out there first. It doesn't mean that marriage is not good. It does not mean that marriage is not fun. It doesn't mean that marriage is not great. It doesn't mean that marriage is not satisfying. But what it means is marriage is not a fairy tale. Yeah, okay. So Is that all right? No, it's okay yeah. with me. So, okay, so marriage is not a fairy tale. What are we going to cover? Okay, we're going to cover where do you get your picture of marriage from? What is a wedding according to the Bible? And how do you find happiness in marriage? Okay. Yeah. All right. Does cool. that sound all right yeah, to you? It sounds good that to me. That sounds beautiful. All right. So it's not right. a fairy tale. It is not a fairy tale. Now, I don't know, but we have three little girls. We have three little girls and they are, how old are our children? Three, five, and eight. That's right. At the moment. And they are just so into like playing mummies and daddies and love stories and building like wedding dresses out of tissues for yeah. their toys and all that sort of Having stuff. Having babies, like they'll have oh. all their um like stuffed toys stuck up their t-shirts because they're about to have a baby and all this sort of stuff, yep. I can remember one time for our oldest, I bought her some cars because I was just going to be like, you know, let's not just buy dolls for this child. Let's, you know, mix up the toys so that she's got boy ones and girl ones and let her just play with what she wants. You know what she did with the cars? She, she lined <laughs> she- them up in pairs so that they were getting married yep. and that they were a family. Yeah. <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was trying to show her how they race around and yeah. do stuff. No. Nah. No. That wasn't about no. the movement she of the cars. She them and, and uh, paired them up into spouses. It was about the relationships between the cars. That's right. But where do you get your picture of marriage from? We have a lot of pictures thrown at us about relationships and how they should be or what they should look like, especially in media, in yeah. the world around us. Yeah. Um, the idea of romance and um even in stories, books, and stories from a long time ago as well, from fairy tales and traditions. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and expectations that people have that they've just picked up along the way because that's how it should be. That's right. And um, So, I've got a question for you, chat. Okay. What does a marriage look like in a TV sitcom? Oh, so like a comedy? Yeah, you know, the American ones. They're Um, usually about like mums and dads and they're like – Living out their married life. So, like, everybody loves Raymond, something like that. Yeah, that sort of a yeah. vibe. So, the husband's a dummy. Yeah. And the wife is very smart. She's usually way more attractive than the husband. That's often the case, mm. yeah. Um, sex is used as a weapon, as a tool often on yes. TV shows. It's, like, withheld for, you know, to, to get whatever they want or, or things like that. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, fleeting moments of happiness, in yeah. the TV sitcoms. Oh, that's what I would say. It's like mm. things are good rarely, but usually it's like it's uh, it's uncomfortable and the husband's a big dummy and he's always trying to sneak off to play golf or go bowling um, <laughs> and a lot of lying. Oh. TV sitcoms, I find there's a lot of um, non-truths in, oh, in the way I they communicate. Oh, I picked that up. There yeah. you go, yeah. Well, maybe it's from the other it's, – it's the husband always lying about how he can sneak out to play golf. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, the husband never being good enough. 
for the wife or meeting the standards that she requires of him in the household as well. I find like he's often letting her down and that's part of the comedy in that situation yeah. as well. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a bit sad, a bit emasculating because yeah, I, so. I think that's not a true picture of, of what it's like when you – like it's a, it's a funny and it's a play up on the way that people live their lives together, but I think it's a true picture of, of how life should be together as a married couple either. Yeah, I agree. What about Disney? Well, Disney's the opposite. Yeah. Disney's the knight in shining armour and, um, well, it's really the goal because once – they get married. They live happily ever after. Happily ever after. Yeah. We don't have to talk about it anymore don't, don't after that. It's like everything is fantastic from that point forward. You made it to the wedding. What else do you want? Success. Yes. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Life goal achieved. That's it. <laughs> That's right. And in, you know, there's not a deep relationship that forms between the two. It's usually just the story of how they get from A to B. You know, boy meets girl, strong feelings emerge, slight yeah. obstacle takes in between their paths, which they overcome together and then get married in the or end. Or boy runs to airport and stops girl from getting on flight with a grand gesture in front of many people and they clap and cheer. Ah, so that's, that's next level. That's like romantic comedies. That's like Hollywood. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry. so then- I jumped the gun. That's okay because I think Disney- Sort of the princess vibe is a childhood version of the adult woman romantic comedy yes. version of love. So Hollywood feeds that to us as well. That I idea. Hate, I hate romantic comedies. How many times, whenever we've had a disagreement, have I slammed the door? And then three seconds later, you've walked through that door and then, like, said all of the things that were the right things and then we kissed and made up and it was – and there was also, like, violins or music playing in the background. Never. never. It never happens. No. I wouldn't do that. I know. No and that's way. the thing, like, real men don't actually usually behave the way that they do in those movies. So, I've got, I've, I've got a number of big problems <laughs> with romantic comedy. So, like, number one is they're called romantic comedies, but they're not actually funny. Like, they're, ne- they're never funny. It's, but you, it's oh. the cheesiest and it's called a comedy, but it's not. It's a trick. So, don't get sucked into that. Okay, I just disclaimer for you as you're listening, Chapo's sense of humour is super weird. Um, and he'll show me, often he'll show me, like, a video on YouTube and be like, check this out, so funny. And I'm just like... I don't even know how to take that. I don't understand. Um, so you, you're next level, hey. But you're right. Like for like for a man and just yeah. like, hey, let's watch a funny movie, you might be a bit ripped off thinking that that was going to be what you were going to get yeah. watching a rom-com. That's right. Yeah, not funny. Um, but the other thing as well, it sets up this totally unrealistic expectation of the way that men behave. Like it's, you know, that they are going to run – through the door at the right moment and they're going to say that right thing and they're going to sweep you off your feet and they're going to be really good looking with great abs and hair that flows in the wind and very fashionable. I guess that's what makes great movies. Yeah. Is that tension and that timing and that, you know, yeah, just waiting for the the grand thing to happen. Like that's the build-up. That's what we're waiting for in a movie-type setting as well. But in real life, those sorts of things – it's just not that. It's just not that real, well written, is it? Can, it? it can lead real to life. really high expectations that can never be met in reality. That's yeah. what I think is the problem with Hollywood and yeah. the way it portrays relationships. And then, like, if you want to go pre Hollywood, you've got your Romeo and Juliet. And you know what I think? Like, they're these two lovers, and they're fated to be together, and then they tragically 
die thinking that the other one has already died. And it's, it's super sad. So yeah. it's beautiful and sad at the same time. But then you got to wonder, like, if Romeo and Juliet didn't accidentally both die, what would it have looked like if they got married and stayed married and they had to have Christmas with both of their feuding families <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and bring up kids yeah. <laughs> and talk about their different ideals and understandings and <laughs> backgrounds? Like, that would actually be a hilarious film. Yeah. Romeo Juliet. and Juliet too, yeah. if they lived. Yeah, Juliet, like, tolerating Romeo, like, when he's going through, he's trying to learn how to play the loot phase <laughs> and things like that and just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> So frustrated, yeah. See, sometimes it's more romantic when the story ends than when we actually talk about real life and what it looks like as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just on that note, you know that it's it's quite common when um, men go through a midlife crisis that they want to learn a new instrument. The lute. <laughs> no, not the lute, <laughs> but like the violin or saxophone or something like that. Like, I, I remember, mm. yeah, like- when I was a teenager, like friends of mine, their dads was like taking up violin and it was just horrendous. <laughs> so you're lucky with me being a musician that I've, you know, gotten all that learning phase out of the way. So now I can serenade you with beautiful music and oh. you don't have to hear Yay for a, a me. middle-aged man trying to learn how to play the saxophone in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Your midlife crisis is not going to be music related. No, no. Well, that's pretty good. You can take that off your box. Um, and then there's the whole talk about soulmates. Yeah. About yeah. destiny, about fate, about how there's this one particular person out of all of the people in the whole earth that's your person that's that your you're one. meant to find. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's that weaves its way through all sorts of programming. Mm. But not just it's not just a TV, movie, Hollywood thing. It's conversations. It's something that people have held on to and believed and thought that they have a soulmate. They have the one. That, mm. And they are destined to be with that one. And you find that idea, which is not a biblical idea, except unless you were actually Adam and Eve was made from a rib that was ripped out of your own body. <laughs> You don't find that idea in scripture, that there is the one made for another one, but we have spiritualized that idea. You know what I mean by spiritualized? Like we've yeah. taken an idea and, and we've sort of forced a, a Christian worldview onto it. And we've spiritualized this idea that God has the one for me or the one for you or. Yeah. Well, that idea of the one or of soulmates, that can still even be an idea that many Christians talk about and profess that's what and I just, believe in. That's yeah. Is that what exactly you're saying? What I just yeah, yeah. said. Yeah. I know. I just, I just wanted to reiterate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. And so we can Christianize it in the way that we speak. 100%. Yeah. 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 And, but it's not actually a biblical way of talking about relationships in the way that we get into relationships. So am I yeah. the one? Are you the one? For me, yeah, yeah, but there could have been others who were the one before we got married. That's what I really believe. All oh, right, so, are we, so- are we soulmates? Um, well, that's ah, oh, that's a whole complicated other issue. So the idea <laughs> of soulmates and being fated together is from that philosophy that believes in fate and believes in um your soul just sort of wandering the earth and accidentally stumbling upon the thing that is orchestrated for you by God who is in or the gods who are in complete control and you don't have freedom or choice. That's right. But we do have freedom or choice. And biblically, God has given that to us as a gift and God doesn't line up and orchestrate our lives without us having a choice. So that idea of destiny, you're saying it's got more pagan origins than Christian origins. Yeah, absolutely. fated to one person. Yeah, and I would say, um, I haven't actually researched it, but off the top of my head, I would say it stems back into that Platonistic yeah. ideal worldview yeah. where God is um, sort of 
unchangeable and up there in heaven and humanity's down here on earth and yeah. and we need to attain to the higher things and um, God's unmovable and unchangeable and that we sort of floated around by what God would have us do That's rather right. than what we would choose for ourselves. Whereas, and, and just to quickly summarise the way I feel about it before we take a break, is, is you are the one. You are my one and you became the one for me when we got married and we exchanged vows before God and before people. And from that day forward, you are my one. Yeah, I would agree. Because I made that commitment and that covenant before you and before God that you are my one. Yeah. You're the one that is for me. Yeah. And maybe I didn't express that in such beautiful terms a moment ago, but that I don't believe that all of the pre-stuff is what makes you the one, but it's actually that giving to one another in marriage that makes the other person the one. Yeah, yeah. We, we might come back to that okay. in a anyway. All right, we're going to take a break, though, so um, stay tuned. We'll be back very soon on Faith FM. What a friend we have in Jesus Oh sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to
taken heavy laden Cumbered with a load of care Precious Savior, still our refuge Take it to the Lord in to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. We've been talking about fairy tales and where we get our ideas about marriage from. And we've been talking about how marriage is not a fairy tale according to the Bible. That's right. And I, before the break, not so eloquently told Chapo that he was not the one. (laughs) And then he told me that I was the one for him. And then I felt like I wasn't a very nice wife. But um, I do actually believe that you're the one. So, and I believe I agree with you in terms yeah. of biblical understanding as well that we can pray about who we are going to marry and finding the right person for us in our lives. We can talk to God about that very much so, but there's no person out there in the world who has been like cut from the earth and the womb of their mother, and we have been destined to be together since the beginning of opening our eyes together, yeah, and we are right. fated to meet together. I believe that I could have met any number of compatible males, but once I chose to pursue a relationship, commit to that person, and ultimately enter into the covenant of marriage with that person, which is you, then you have become my one because we are now covenanted to each other through that bond that God has given us in marriage. And then it's our responsibility to make it awesome. Yes. Like, like to make it fun and exciting as if we were destined to be together, as if we were created for one another specifically, but to, and to create family and memories and, and opportunities to spread the gospel as a team and all this kind of stuff because you are now the one. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that on the show before that when we were pursuing the idea of marriage, when we were talking to each other about the seriousness of our relationship, when we first started sort of seeing each other, that we talked about, you know, I grew up in a single parent household. I don't want to get divorced. I want to keep working at being a married person once I become a married person. Once I put the wedding rings on, I want to keep the wedding rings on. That's right. And that's something that we talked about early on in the piece yeah. as well. Just like, hey, this is the path that I want to go down. Is that the kind of path that you want to go down Now, to? this might be quite shocking for people, like mm. particularly if they got married believing that 
they have married their soulmate, that they have mm. found the spouse that God specifically carved out for them. Or if you are about to get married and you believe that you found that person, or if you're hanging out and waiting, and this is something I've often heard people say, like someone will, will go, they're in a relationship, they're dating, and then it falls apart. I'm like, don't worry. that just You just know that that's not the one that God made for you. You know, God's got the next one around the corner. And so what, what about that? Like if they're hearing this and they're just like, oh, this is rocking my world. This is not what I thought. <laughs> What do you say to that? Okay, so I would say that, like, our, our it sounded really unromantic when I talked about it, but our relationship was quite romantic and it had all the butterflies and the fun and the joy and the love and the passion. But what I'm saying is that what makes somebody the one, what makes somebody the person for you is that you've chosen to be married together. And it's more than just a feeling or an emotion or those butterflies that you have in your stomach. That's right. Is that a good way of wording it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. But but just based on that belief, though, that yeah. people do have that belief and they have that rhetoric that, you know, God has the one for me and- you know, there's a soulmate out there that God has created for me and we're going to be linked together or they believe that the, who they're with is that person. What do you say to that? Um, I would say that God will bring somebody into your life if you talk to God about somebody being in your life. But I'm not saying that God has carved out that person as the one for you either. Yeah. And it's up to you and your wisdom and your biblical understanding to try and figure out, well, does this person have the qualities of somebody that I want to spend my life with and build a, a life together with that, yeah, as well? That's right. And God's given us that wisdom and that discernment in ourselves and, and in the Holy Spirit living in us. The, the biblical picture of marriage is so broad. It's so unromantic too. Well, no, but, no, but parts of it are. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing. Like Parts of it are like it's the solution to loneliness. It's the it's the thing that causes the man to write poems about about a woman that he loves. It's the, it's the sexual intimacy that is a part of marriage that helps you share in the divine nature of God even. It's the, um, the, the song of songs. It's those passionate poems of love that you write to the person that you have been, you know, joined to under God. It's, it's becoming one flesh and, and loving your wife as Christ loved the church. It's all that stuff, but it's also a covenant and agreement. And there's also like these like super unromantic terms, <laughs> you know, particularly in Old Testament marriage where like, if I, if I die, um, then my brother has to marry you. <laughs> like, like, and then if he dies, then if we had another brother, it would be their responsibility and all this stuff where it's, it kind of takes that the one idea out of it. And you've got, you know, poor guys who had to marry two wives because they got tricked into marrying the first one. And <laughs> There's some really messy stories about marriage in the Bible. And I think that's part of what I love about the Bible as well is that there's the ideal and there's what God says before us, which we get from that Adam and Eve story. Yeah. But there's also just the reality of humanity and the fact that sometimes we just follow our own path instead of the path that God would have us follow. Right. We follow our own rules instead of the rules that God has given us that God says these are going to benefit you. And we're just like, yeah, I reckon I might do this because it seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it felt like a good idea because I was in the moment. Yeah. And you got yeah. poor Hosea who married um, Goma because God told him to, but probably never felt like she was the one. But then he continually played out that love for her and continued pursuing her because that's what God does for us. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it as well. That's the beauty of when the Bible talks about marriage is that ultimately it is a picture of how God loves humanity. Yeah. And when I love you well, then that is a picture of how God loves me it's, and God loves the world. It's really so big and so broad. Mm. 
the the concept of biblical marriage and how much it entails and how mm. different it is from the fairy tale and the uh, yeah some of these ideas that we've carried on or spiritualized from other origins. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I want to talk about expectations when it comes into marriage. Okay. Because did you know that disillusionment is a big problem when it comes to marriage, that when people enter into marriages, often they get to the other side of it and they think, wow, this is this is it. And it's not that wow. <laughs> um, often so people, it's not happily ever after. It's, it's not happily. They're just like, hey, I saw the princess movie. I wore the dress. I felt fancy. And now here we are. Just we're still you and me. (laughs) And I think that a lot of the time um, we have these really unrealistic pictures of of marriage that we carry with us into a marriage circumstance. So I guess a question that you could ask yourself is, do I believe in a perfect marriage? Do you Mm. believe in a perfect marriage, chat? It's hard. Really? I don't. (laughs) Do you believe we have one? No. Do you know anyone who has one? No. Then why do you believe in one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Because the thing is that- um, Well, what would a perfect marriage even look like, though? That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. There isn't a perfect marriage. Perfect is like a, a ceiling that you can never reach. It's a standard that's in unreachable. Okay. Only one is perfect. Jesus is the only perfect one. Yeah. And so we, as two flawed humans, are not perfect. Well, I guess maybe the marriage of like God to his church is the perfect marriage. Sure. If you want to go there. Okay. Um. But in terms of human-to-human marriages, so much flawed humanity, sinfulness, difficulty, baggage comes into that yeah. situation. Okay, on with yes. you. Yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, so, first of all, there is no perfect marriage. And if you're listening and you think, wow, I was trying to get a perfect marriage, please don't try and get a perfect marriage. Yeah. Good marriages. There are so many beautiful, good wonderful marriages, yep. but I don't believe that there are any perfect marriages. Yeah, and that's the thing, because I, I often say to people, particularly if we're doing premarital, I say, like I've, and I think I've said it before here on the show, that you can have a bad marriage if you want. Like, if you want to have a bad marriage, it's really easy to have a bad marriage. And then you can say all those funny jokes about, um, you know, like suffering through marriage or whatever they are. You know, there's tons of jokes about living with a cow or whatever, you know. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can have a bad marriage so you can say those jokes if you want. But I suggest you don't. I suggest you have a good marriage, which is going to take work and effort. But then, yeah, also not striving for a perfect marriage, which is unattainable. Exactly. So, exactly. Which can lead to a lot of disillusionment because, like, I thought I was signing up for a perfect life with the perfect man who always does the right thing and is going to look the same and be the same, you know, <laughs> like never go grey or gain weight or anything like that. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's it. Like, on your wedding day, you really just – don't know what you're signing up for when you sign up to the rest of your life with another person. And I mean, we're only, how many years? We're like 10 years in. 10 and a half. Yeah. And, um, to 11. Yeah. But like your grandparents, how long have they been married for? Oh, 60 years. Yeah. Like we have only just chipped at like the top of the iceberg on a 60 year marriage. Like we have no idea what that looks like to be in that, on that end of trying to figure out how to love each other well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so you really don't know what you're signing yourself up for when you get dressed up in your beautiful dress on your wedding day. If, and if, yet there's so much opportunity to grow and to love and to change yeah. with the person that you marry. 
if we um if if we make it to be old people, yeah, you know, regardless if hopefully Jesus comes back soon, that's what I'm looking forward to, or tragedy happens or whatever. But if we make it to be old people, I'd love to still be in love when we're old people. I haven't seen much of it though, to be honest. Mm, and uh, then you see like people make jokes like, "Oh, look at that old couple; they're so in love." And then somebody says, "Oh, how do you do it?" And then it's like, "Oh, we met at the retirement village." Like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember, look, we probably need to take a break, but there's a story that I've told it many times. We were newlyweds and I was sound asleep in bed and you came in bawling your eyes out, like weeping and weeping. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I woke up thinking something terrible has happened. Uh, Like, you know, you've just gotten some really bad news and I- you were inconsolable, and I, what what has happened? What has happened? And you managed to get out the words. They loved each other so much, and I was just utterly puzzled, like half asleep, trying to figure out what was going on. And eventually, I realised that you'd just finished watching the Notebook, and you just <laughs> you're a blubbering mess. I haven't seen it; it's not my kind it's of movie. The most beautiful movie <laughs> because they were really old and still in love. Was that basically the gist of it? Yeah, yeah. It's- but I haven't seen a lot of that. I see a lot of elderly married people who. <laughs> Kind of hate each other. <laughs> but they're stuck with each other because yeah. they need each other's help to get around. <laughs> to get around, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to work hard to um, <sighs> to have that marriage in real life. Like in the notebook. Not that I'm going to watch the movie, no way. So, what you're saying is you want to watch The Notebook with me so that you could get tips on how to still be in love with each other when we're super old? That's never going to happen, but we do need to take a break. <laughs> so, uh, we'll be back soon on Faith FM. <laughs> Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Take Faith FM on the go with the free Faith FM app, available for Apple and Android. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo on Faith FM. Glad that you've tuned in with us. And we've been talking about if we believe in perfect marriages or not. We've been talking about fairy tales and if they exist when it comes to marriage. And uh, we've mostly got to the answer no. We've also got um, a big no from Chapo on watching The Notebook with me at any time, which has been super disappointing. Um, So I've got another question. Do you think that other couples face similar challenges to you in your relationship? Because, yeah. Yeah. So some couples often think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence or maybe one person in the couple and they say, see how so-and-so does it? She always treats him like this. Why can't you treat me like that? See how such and such does it? She's always doing this for him. Why can't you do that for me? And so when you look at, I guess, snapshots of other people's lives and you put them together as a picture of a perfect marriage, you're actually creating the opportunity for failure and for disappointment for yourself in your own marriage. Absolutely. And look, let me be honest. I think that there was probably a number of people who look at us that way. You know, we're both pastors. We try really hard to have a healthy marriage. Um, We've also, we've got a lot of friends who were divorced already who got married around the same time as we did. And, you know, people have looked at our marriage as if it's a great marriage and as if we don't have any problems. (laughs) It's just like, oh man, we got to tell you. (laughs) We got some problems. We have a great marriage. We love each other very much. We do not have a perfect marriage and we do not have 
zero challenges and problems and disagreements. That's all right. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the Cliff Notes version of our marriage. Um, if you want to talk about real marriage, happy to talk to you. If you want to talk about perfect marriage, keep looking because I haven't seen anyone who's got one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is something for you as you're listening to think about, do I have any myths about marriage that I need to let go of? Have I been holding on to a fairy tale and is it hurting the real life relationship that I have got? Absolutely. Mm. What what is it that um oh there's a, a saying and I've just I can't remember it exactly but uh perfect is the enemy of good or of, yes of, yeah or great is the perfect is the enemy of the good yeah, yeah yeah which means striving for perfect means that you never get to experience the good because That's the right. good is never good enough yeah and some of our listeners might have a really good relationship with a really good person but they might not have a perfect relationship. And they might be really struggling with that disillusionment in their relationship. Yep. So I just want to ask you to to let go of that, to take a deep breath, to sit with those thoughts and those feelings, to even maybe talk to a counsellor about those thoughts and those feelings and, and to just realign yourself. Read the Bible and read about yeah. marriages in the Bible and realign yourself with, okay, but perfect sim- isn't a thing, but what I can have is good and what I can have is lovely and I can invite God into that and it can be great. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it still is that... Like I've said this before, but I know that I am the best husband to you when I am closer to Jesus. Mm. And it's that instead of looking for things that might not be there, just continually submit yourself to God and say, make me the best spouse that I can be mm. in in my home. Make me the best dad I can be. Make me whatever it might be. But um, continually submitting, drawing closer becoming more like Jesus. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And releasing some of those ideals and hopes and um things that we think that our partner should do that really are just holding us back from loving them more completely and more fully. That's right. Yeah. And something to do for a bit of homework. Um, If you don't have your spouse with you right now, if you're on your way, if you're driving in the car on the way home to your spouse. You're giving homework now, are we? Yeah, I'm giving a bit of homework today. So discuss your expectations about marriage with your spouse. Talk to them, say, when we got married, I thought it was going to be like this. When I think about a marriage, I think it should look like this. What do you think? And it might be really fascinating to find out what your partner actually expects or thinks because let's remember we can't read each other's minds and we might have completely different pictures in our heads of what it should be. Um, And then discuss what you need from your partner. Instead of just talking about expectations, talk about what you actually need and then take turns to talk about what you need. And when you're the person who's listening, make sure you actually listen instead of coming in with a really good one-liner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always had this very strong hope, and it was probably almost an expectation, that whoever I married would be a great cook because my mum was a really bad cook. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, I don't want more terrible food in my life. <laughs> um, but that was unfair. <laughs> yes. And you're, you're an okay cook. Hey, I'm all right, and I've definitely gotten better over the course of our marriage. I I, I had to teach you how to make scrambled eggs when we first got married. I can follow a recipe, but I do not enjoy cooking. It's like a chore to me. Like, I would just as much rather clean a toilet than cook a meal. And I think it's even more so since having kids, and they always just go, I don't like this. And I'm just like, why do I even bother? I should just skip the plate and go straight from the fry pan to the bin, you know? Um, But, yeah, you also had an expectation that you would marry a girl who played the violin, I believe. That's right. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, violin and piano. (laughs) Um, because I play just about every other instrument. So, but I don't play piano, I don't play violin. So that's what I needed sort of covered in my, you know, 
But could you think of how many musical instruments we'd have in our house if you'd married somebody who also had a whole bunch of musical instruments? Well, we do have a piano and I do have a violin even though I can't play it. So. Do you have a violin? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm here on the Marriage Project, finding out things about your spouse that you never knew. Where is it? I don't know anymore. Wow. Okay. So, Chapo's got a whole bunch of stuff. That's one of the take-homes from today. Yeah. But one of the other things that <laughs> did you want to say anything else about? No. Okay. <laughs> um, so, one of the other things that I wanted you to talk about for your homework is to think about when you're having these conversations with your spouse, what do I need from you? What do I need in this relationship? Have room for meeting each other in the middle as well. Because yeah. it's great to say, I need this from you. But it's also okay if your partner says, I can't give that to you, but what I can do is this, and thanks so much for sharing with me what you need. I hope that we can get through it together. Yeah, because it's it's really horrible when you feel like your partner has these expectations of you that you just can't, it's just not who you are. Mm. Um, and I remember experiencing that like years ago when a girlfriend was like, oh, this is something my ex-boyfriend did and I really appreciate it. I'd love it if you could do that too. And, you know, it was like writing poems or something like that. And I was just like, gosh, I don't know how to do that. Like, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But I was, always felt like you weren't measuring up because you didn't know how to do that thing. You haven't written me very much poems I don't. I'm either. not a poem man. Uh, I should go find this ex-girlfriend and talk to her about, like, our problems. <laughs> 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 no, but in all seriousness, um, it's okay for your partner to still be them and to acknowledge that sometimes they, they can't meet your need, but that they still love you as well. That's right. Yeah. So, what is a wedding according to the Bible? When you walk down the aisle, when you're wearing your beautiful dress, you hand over your problems and you take home happiness. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. You give your problems (laughs) to the pastor. Yeah. Two couples walking into a wedding separately with just mounds and mounds of baggage that they give to the pastor <laughs> and then they walk out holding hands into a new life together without any of Happily that baggage. Ever after. Happily ever after. Is that the picture of a wedding according to the Bible? No. No. It, I'd love to see a wedding ceremony or like an artistic depiction of it where you drag in suitcases full of your pain and past regrets and family of origin drama and everything like that. Previous relationships. Yeah, yeah, you drag it all out with you and then you walk out the aisle with it all together. And then you need a trailer to get it home because there's so much of it because now it's combined. And that, some of that baggage starts to fight and interact with each other and, and then it, yeah. That's right. And, you wow. know, we don't know, like I said just previously in this episode, we don't know what we're signing up for on our wedding day. We don't know that we are signing up for when I have a conversation with you, that it's going to trigger something that happened to you to do with a bully in your high school. We don't know when we're 43 that we're going to lose a child or that somebody's going to have cancer or that somebody's going to have a mental breakdown. We don't know those things when we sign up for life together at the altar. Exactly. But what we do is we commit to that person. We say, hey, I'm 23 right now, but I'm committing my future self to you. And we do that with each other too. You're, like you were 25 when we got married. I know this was an imaginary 23 okay. year old person. All right. Um, but yeah, so we we sign up ourselves, not knowing what the future really is going to look like, but knowing that 
to that other person, yep. we are going to stay committed. Yep. I'm committing my future self that doesn't exist yet to your future self that doesn't exist yet, whatever that looks like. Mm. And that's big. a huge, that's yeah. a huge big deal because I think often in today's world, we don't make those kinds of commitments. Yeah. Um, we make a lot of uh, contracts, but we don't make a lot of commitments. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we make arrangements where we, you know, a commitment is a contract where we make a deal together over an agreed something or other. And then if you break your end of the bargain, we're done. Yeah. It's over. I'm walking. But marriage is bigger than that because um, when we promise to love each other in marriage, we make vows when we go into a church and we have a wedding, right? That's right. Um, and even those of us who got married with a celebrant who didn't have a traditional wedding, we still make vows. It's still part of why we come together in marriage. Um, and so the, there's two things that happen. There's a vow that we make to one another. And sometimes it's as simple as when you exchange rings, you go with this wing, ring. I can't wing. even say with this <laughs> ring. <laughs> I the wed. That's yeah. like the old, old fashioned one. I don't think we said that on our wedding day. No. Um, and it's funny because you try and squish your, the person's knuckle to get the ring on and it's awkward as. Um, or you do like these days people write poems and all sorts of Love things. declarations. Oh, man, I've seen some really beautiful ones. I've seen some really awkward ones when we've done weddings. Um, and then there's another part as well where the, the person who's the officiant of the wedding asks a question and then what do the couple say? What's the question? Well... It can be like, do you, do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded husband yeah, or wife, right. to have and him to hold from this, from this day, day forward, for better or worse, health, blah, blah, blah. And you would say- To death do us part. I do. I do. Yes, exactly. And so, who are you saying I do to? Well, you're responding to the pastor because it's yeah. the pastor that's asked the question, not the, not your spouse. Exactly. Or the so, celebrant or whoever it is. Yeah. So then why do we answer a question to that person and not just only to our spouse on our wedding day? Because it's the idea that we're making a commitment to more than just the spouse. That's right. And that's why we have witnesses at our weddings as well. Because we're making a commitment to the pastor as a representative for God in that moment. We're making a commitment to the wider body of people who are there as a witness of the love that we're declaring to each other yeah. in that moment as well. So we're making a commitment vertically between, no, wait, horizontally between you and me yeah. <laughs> and vertically between us and God yeah. as well. Which brings in the bigger idea of, like, in the Bible there's a term covenant. Yes. Which is, which is, which is like a mutual partnership of commitment. I agree to be this for you and you agree to be this for me and then you join hands in the middle and that becomes the covenant. That yes. becomes, and you are bound in that covenant, but it's more than just a contract. It's not just a, a set of written terms. It's a partnership of agreement. This yeah. is who I am and this is who I will be for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's about relationship more than terms and condition and contract when yeah. it comes to a covenant because right. you become something to the other person that you weren't before once you've entered into this. Yeah. We need to take a break. Yeah. But we'll talk you. more about covenant after the break. Yep. Let alone peacefully. My little loon, my little loon. 
to Faith FM, you are listening to The Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany. And just before the break, we were talking about covenants and the idea how, I guess, biblically, you have the idea of an agreement, a mutual commitment to one another, and what you call that is a covenant, and how marriage in many ways is a covenant. And one of the things that is, I guess, the first promise to each other in the Christian Bible or the Jewish Bible. So, covenant, that idea, what what do you think of? Um, I would say promise or deep commitment. Is that sort of, or is it more than that? It's, it's Well, it's similar. It's more than that, but it's a mutual deep commitment. Yeah. Um, the word that is synonymous with covenant is partnership, where two people say, I commit to this, and the other, you know, the person says back, I commit to this as well, and then you both join together in a united um Agreement, commitment to one another. Yeah, but it's deeper than like the contracts that we have these days. It's it's a very binding and long-term thing to enter into, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes we lose in today's society that marriage is actually a deep and binding thing that we enter into. Sometimes for us, marriage seems like, oh, I cannot stand that song that says, it's a beautiful day, I'm looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I'm going to marry you. Yeah. And it's a really catchy song, and I wish that he said he was looking for something fun to do instead of something dumb to do, because I just feel like it just lightheartedly enters into marriage. It's just like, oh, today it was dumb, tomorrow it's a divorce. Yeah. You know, like it. we, as Christian people, believe that marriage is a deep union that God has given to us to enter into. Yeah. A friend of mine in high school, um, oh, later, yeah, but later on with her first marriage, um, on her wedding day said, oh, he'll do for the first one. Oh, wow. Which is <laughs> just, just a really sad perspective of what, you know, marriage is for some people. Yeah. And sometimes, and I know that you and I both have seen failed marriages in our family of origin, and sometimes you get that bitterness when you see um, bad marriages in and around you, but- Ask God to reframe that for you and read the Bible to understand more how to reframe that picture of marriage for you as well. So I've got a Bible text here in Mark chapter 10 and verse 6 to 9, and it's actually words that Jesus says, but he's also repeating Genesis in the Bible. So Jesus says this, But from the beginning of creation, 
God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And you might have heard that, let no man separate in a wedding speech before. Um, But Jesus was actually the first one that coined this term. It's that mic drop verse at the end of a wedding (laughs) ceremony. Like, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Boom. Boom. So Jesus... Jesus was the original boom guy who said that. But he's actually quoting Genesis here when he says, therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and be joined to his wife. And And we've talked about that idea before of leaving and cleaving. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's actually a really cool word, the cleave word there. Um, which is the first word that God uses about marriage. And that word cleave, we don't really use that, like maybe a meat cleaver in the kitchen these days. But in it's an old word, but what it means is to bring together. The Hebrew word, um, which gets translated as cleave, it can mean glue, it can oh. mean binding. Yeah. Um, and in other contexts, apart so God from- God has glued together. Yeah. yeah so I've I'm, been glued to you. Yeah. And so in other parts of the Bible where it talks about this word of binding and gluing together and cleaving together, it talks about it being as part of an oath or a covenant or a promise. Oh, right. But in the Genesis text, it's talking about it as being part of a marriage. And so that's where we get the idea that your marriage is a covenant. It's a deep glued together by God promise. Yeah. And I guess it's the idea that on your wedding day, right, you are glued together. But it's more than that. You are making a promise to remain glued together. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I like and it. then um, there's texts in Malachi and in Proverbs that talk about if you cheat on your spouse, then you're breaking that covenant or you're yeah. going against that covenant that you made. Yeah. Did you have a text that you wanted to Oh, I've just, that actually one in Malachi I actually wanted to share where it says, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant. Yeah. So, So, dealing treacherously, now that could be interpreted as lots of things, but most likely probably breaking the covenant and pursuing another. And um, the Proverbs chapter 2 verse 17 talks about it from the female perspective and being an unfaithful wife, breaking a covenant. And so, it's a really important imagery. And I love um, what Timothy Keller says in his book about um, marriage. It is called... Meaning of Marriage, if you want to look it up, Timothy Keller's book, uh, Meaning of Marriage, Timothy Keller writes some great stuff. And he says this, When over the years someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all of your strengths and your flaws, yet commits him or herself to you wholly, it is consummate experience. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, it's a lot like being loved by God, and it's what we need more than anything. Yeah, well. I think it's such a beautiful way of wording it, that when we love each other and we fully know each other, that that's that's how God loves us and that's how he wants us to love one another. Yeah, and I guess this is something that we've talked about between ourselves, but there's a lot of times in the Bible where it talks about the way that we love one another and what it's supposed to accomplish. You know, I'm thinking like, love your wife first, Christ love the church and things like that, is that God would like you to see his love through the way that I love you. Like that you Mm. would experience the depth of God's love and the trueness of God's love through the love that I extend to you. Yeah. Which is a big deal. And something that I really want to bring 
out of that is that love doesn't always look like it does in the movies. Love doesn't always look like romantic feelings, excitement, passion, um, the butterflies in your stomach, the sweaty palms. Those are very much um, chemical experiences that our brains actually put out at the beginning of a, a relationship. They're pretty cool. They're very cool. But over time, um, due to something that they call the honeymoon effect, after a couple of years, that wears off. But that's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't love each other anymore. And a lot of couples, like, they'll say, oh, I just don't know if I love them anymore. I think we've fallen out of love. Or I love them, but maybe it's just not enough to get through or, this. Or we're different people. We're, I married some. It's not the person that I thought that I married. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> because you change. <laughs> yeah. And everyone does. Yeah, absolutely. And so the covenant in marriage is showing up for that other person no matter what whether they bring their good self or their bad self, yeah. whether it's their best day or their worst day. Yeah. Now, of course, we are not talking here about situations of abuse or, um, yeah, any sort of domestic violence or anything like that. That is not what we're covering here. That yeah. is a different scenario. And if totally that is your experience, different. we encourage you to get help. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about just your standard marriage relationship where things have, over time, gotten a little bit lacklustre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We get older, we get crankier. get less sparkly. <laughs> we get tighter. I just, I'm having a lot we of those life over 30 moments over the last <laughs> couple of weeks, like life over 30 where your body just doesn't want to play ball like it used to. Like, oh, that didn't used to happen or that didn't used to hurt or, gee, I didn't need to, like, take a nap. Didn't used to be so exhausting and now it is. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing with our relationships as well is that they grow and change over time but that we need to still just be, I guess, um, taking that plant analogy, like that we grow and change over time. Sometimes we have no leaves. Sometimes we're barren. Sometimes we bear fruit. Sometimes we have beautiful flowers. But ultimately, we have those deep roots, and your marriage is those deep roots that you put down regardless of what the outside is looking like or doing on you as a person. Is that that a good analogy? I like it. Oh, thanks. Jesus actually uses a lot of plant analogies, which is pretty fab. The the last thing that I want to talk to you about is that your partner isn't the answer to your wholeness and your happiness and your fulfillment in marriage. Jesus is. Right. So the biblical idea of married people is two separate people who are fully complete in Jesus Christ who come together and love one another and lay down their life for one another. Yeah. 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 I um oh, it was a sermon I he- heard a long, long time ago. I think it was Sam Lenore who preached it, but it was this cool idea about how to choose the right person to marry. And his his analogy was just run as fast as you can towards Jesus. Like just run to Jesus and then look next to you. And if you see someone who's next to you, marry them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're running towards Jesus as well. I thought that was cool. I, was like, I think maybe marry the person who's like overtaking you. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And and I, I found that myself, actually, um, in my early 20s. Like, I really was just, like, shopping around, seeing what guys were available, and I felt just so brokenhearted and discouraged so many times. And I actually committed myself to being the best version of myself and seeking after God as much as I could. And that was when this guy who played a guitar and had long hair who I really didn't have that much interest in showed up in my life and became a really important part of my life. Um, and he was seeking God as well. And I can really attest to that, that when we 
are holy in Jesus Christ, that that's when we're the best versions of ourselves and yeah. that's when we are the most able to give and receive love. And what happened well. with that guy? Did it work out? or? Oh, yeah. Yep. Married him. Oh, it's me. But he got his hair chopped off <laughs> and he doesn't play guitar as much as he used to, but that sort of happens when you have three kids yeah. <laughs> and you be a grown-up. We were college kids back then. We had so much free time. So... I just want to share a verse quickly, um, and then we, we need to wrap up very soon. But um, John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Or in other translations, it says they will have life to the full. Yeah. Jesus is the one who wants to make you complete, to be your fulfillment. And if you are looking for fulfillment in your spouse, you are looking in the wrong place. Become yeah. whole in Jesus and then by default become the best version of yourself and the best husband or the best wife that you could ever be. Yeah. None of us are perfect, but Jesus was perfect, and Jesus is the answer to wholeness, completeness, restoration, and joy, deep, deep joy and peace in our lives. And when we strive after him, that's when we can have the most whole and the most beautiful interactions with other humans, including our spouse. That's it. Well, Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us. We We always love being able to spend our afternoon with you. We hope you have a travel safe home, safe travel home if you're travelling home. We hope you have the best afternoon and the best weekend. And don't forget, I I mentioned it last week, but if there is any topic that you would like us to talk about that is related to marriage as a Christian person or marriage in the Bible or marriage in general, we would love to discuss it here on our show. So make sure you send it in to Faith FM. Yeah. Have a great day. Have a great marriage. See ya. See ya.